Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. These people who have the gift of giving prefer to give without pressure or fundraisers. You see, they give not because they've been pressured, they give because they want to give. So when somebody gives up and they start pressuring them, it normally turns them off because that's not why they're giving. And we'll see later, people are very good at pressuring. They know exactly how to do it. They know how to tweak our buttons, all of us. You've seen or heard them, haven't you? They come to your door or they're on the radio or television. They tell you that you're their only hope to make their payment to stay on the air. Then you hear one of them try to explain away their purchase of a private jet. I need it for ministry, they say. Well, Pastor Mark will be talking about these manipulators and how someone with the gift of giving is offended by them. You'll learn what the true heart of giving is and what true needs are. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 8 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. Very often in the financial area, people with the gift of giving have the gift of getting. Now, you don't see the gift of getting in the Bible, but that's really true. Now, here's something else. If you're married and your spouse has the gift of giving, I hope you, as the other spouse, has the gift of getting. (laughs) If not, there's trouble. If both of you have the gift of getting and you're not givers, that's bad. If you both have the gift of giving and not one of you is a getter, that's also bad. So turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Remember, I think this is interesting. Matthew was a tax collector, then he got saved. He was free with his money. How about Zacchaeus? Same. Zacchaeus, former tax collector, meets Jesus. What's he become? Easy come. Now it's easy go because he met Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. Remember, he asked Jesus to come over to his house, and it says after Jesus ministered to him, he accepted the Lord. It says in verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. Why did Jesus say that? Because, you see, if God has your wallet, he's probably got your heart. When Zacchaeus, who would have never done that before God, because he cheated people out of their money. He knows he did. 
He just says, I'm a changed man. The money isn't a big deal anymore. I just give. Number five. Has the ability to make wise investments in order to have more money to give. This is exactly what I was saying a few moments ago. Very often, these people have the ability or they have the gift of getting. They're, they're simply good at making money. Just think for a moment. I'm sure you know people that have that kind of gifting. You hear them and you say, where in the world did you get that deal? How would you find that property? Where would you get that? You got that airplane fare for what? They have that ability. They have the God-given ability. And as they do that, they seek to save and invest it. And the reason they do that is not for themselves, but to give more. The person that's a giver knows that the money they have is God's. And they want to be a wise investor. By the way, let me remind you again, every dollar that you have is God's. And you're a steward of that money. How you give it, where you give it, what you do with it. Many of these people early on learned how to save as a young person. And their parents taught them the principle, which is almost non-existent today, the principle of compound interest. It's still as powerful today as it was 50 years ago. But most of our kids don't understand it today. One reason, they have nothing to invest because they're already in debt. So instead of gaining 5 or 6 or 7 or 8%, which compounds itself incredibly over years, they pay out 9 to 18 or 20% in interest the other way. And by the way, that's very true in our church as well. That's what happens. So as a parent, I challenge you with this area. What do you, I'll challenge you a number of times with giving. What are you teaching your children by your habits? You want them to be self-sufficient and move ahead. That's what you want to do. So teach them these habits early, these spiritual habits early that they are really investors of God's money. Number six, these people who have the gift of giving, prefer to give without pressure or fundraisers. You see, they give not because they've been pressured. They give because they want to give. So when somebody gives up and they start pressuring them, it normally turns them off because that's not why they're giving. And we'll see later, people are very good at pressuring They know exactly how to do it. They know how to tweak our buttons, all of us. And so they don't like this at all. They're turned off by that. They give because they say, God, what do you want me to give? And that's what I give. I'm not interested in that. Now, how important is it that we hear from God how to give? I think it's incredibly important. I was listening to Charles Stanley talk, and I thought it was a very appropriate illustration. It was a true illustration. He said one day uh, he was sitting in the office and somebody called him and got through to him. How that happens a miracle because he didn't know the person and the person didn't know him. But anyway, they're talking and the individual says, well, I hear you on the radio a lot. How come you never talk about money or that you have needs? Don't you have any needs as a church? You know, you can hear Charles telling in the background going, you ought to be kidding me. Sure we have need. And he says, well, we do, but we don't 
promote it in our radio program, which I honor them for. You remember in the old days? Well, if you don't give this week, we're going off the air. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's really what you want to say, isn't it? Because then God isn't in it. See ya. Whatever. But again, people know how to motivate. So Charles Stanley said, well, yes, we have needs. Certainly we have needs. The man said, well, what kind of needs you have? And at this particular time, they were doing a building or whatever. And he says, well, we're getting ready to purchase this building. And it's about $2 million. There was a pause in the other end of the line. The man said, uh, I think I can handle that. And the next couple days, there's a check for $2 million. Now you say, well, that's impossible. No, it isn't. And later the man met Dr. Charles Stanley and talked to him. And he said, it wasn't the amount of money because $2 million was nothing to him. It was that God had told him to call and he obeyed. He said, and he was an older gentleman, and he said, that gave me more just a feeling that I was really useful to God because God spoke to me. I obeyed. It wasn't the two million. It could have been 20 bucks. But he said, I did what God asked me to do. And he gave what God asked him to give. So see, the person with the gift of giving, it isn't about the amount. It's about obeying God. And he just went ahead and gave that money. And of course, they bought the building, didn't have to get a loan, didn't have to do whatever. And praise God, that's the way it works. Number seven, person with the gift of giving desires to uh, give gifts that are high quality or craftsmanship. Now, what do I mean by that? It doesn't mean that they always buy the best of everything But these people who are in it long-term realize, I was on reading a website the other day, and I don't even know why I looked at it, but it was something that I never even looked at. I saw these towels, and I got online, and they're half off. And the person said, these are incredible towels. Man, they're so fluffy. They're great. And then I read a couple more results from people. They are fluffy. They are great the first time. And these ladies are writing, after it came out of the washer, they all came apart, they're in whatever, don't buy these things, they're horrible. So it looked like a great deal, but in the end, what? You wasted your money. And so these individuals have been around the block a few times. They're not only astute as savers, but they know if you buy a little better quality, it's probably going to last a lot more than the cheap whatever. You and I all know what that means. Doesn't mean they have to buy the best, but they know that if they put a little investment to it, then it's going to be more economical and actually in the end, use God's money more. Number eight, and I think this is very true. I know a number of people with the gift of giving, financially and all other ways. Number eight, views hospitality as an opportunity to give. If you truly have the gift of giving, You're a person that not only likes to give of your time and resources and money, but you love to give of yourself in your home. You love people to be in your home. Remember, the server sees an opportunity in their home to serve people. This giver sees an opportunity to give of the resources. So they will always invite you over for dinners or lunches or come over afterward and we'll have this and they get a nice spread out, whatever. They're not even thinking about it. They just love having people over. They just give to the people. That will be an opportunity for you. And you'll see those people and you'll know these people. By the way, Zacchaeus had that gift as a giver because remember he invited Jesus where? Into his home. Come on in, sit down, let's see what we're going to do. Number nine, 
This is a big one. Encourages others to give as well. What happens, remember, and this is this can go two ways. Person with a gift of giving looks around and says, Well, why isn't everybody giving? I get such an incredible blessing for it. What do you mean you're in debt with seven credit cards? Are you crazy? If you know them personally, that's the way they would talk to you. What are you, crazy? What's wrong? Get out of debt. Let me help you get out of debt. Come on, let's get out of debt. Why? Because they know the blessing of giving, and they're just trying to say to other people, man, let me encourage you. Let me show you how this can be. And uh, they know this value, this cycle. Get, be honest, use wisely, give. It bells. It compounds. The more you get, the more you can give. The more you give, the more God gives back. And if you operate it financially correctly, it just flows and flows and flows. They understand that. And their challenge is to their friends, why don't you learn this principle? Why do you have trouble every month with your finances? Debt puts people in bondage. And they hate that debt because they know what it's doing to the individual, and what it's doing to the church or the ministry. Now, what happens with a person who doesn't operate the gift of giving in the spirit, but in the flesh? By the way, all of us, from time to time, operate our gift, not in the spirit, but in the flesh. We all do. Because we have the flesh nature that rises up within us and we just do things the wrong way. So let's talk about these. Number one, this is a big one. The person with the gift of giving, with talent, you know, the new building we're getting ready to build here, I'll do all the yard work for you and the landscape or whatever. If they don't have money, I'll do all that. I'll lay the tile for you. I'll do, you know, what all those things. Or if they have money, what's, what's the number one, what's the one number one danger if you operate in this in the flesh? Here it is. They may try to control how their contribution is used. Let me give you an example. Some of you remember the old days, and we survived them, so it's okay. I can remember old days, and when we, my dad would build the churches back in the 50s when we built the church, and I can remember how this worked. person wants to give, I'll provide all the carpet for the church. People go, hey, man, terrific, but I'm going to pick the color. You laugh, but that's the way it went. Well, you can't pick the color. Well, I ain't given the carpet. You say, well, nobody would be like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, is that in the flesh or in the spirit? Tell me. It's the flesh. So see, what that means is, if you truly have the gift of giving in the spirit, you're going to give, and you're going to let the ministry decide how to use it. You're not going to go like, Okay, I'm going to direct it over here a little bit, direct it over here a little bit, because that puts who in control? You. So people that have that gift sometimes want to be power players. They will orchestrate it. They'll control people. Money, understand, money is power. Many people are controlled by that. Now, by the way, so you'll understand... This is why in this church and many, many other churches, but specifically this church, because I learned it from my dad, none of the pastors here know who gives 
Other than if you're going to be an elder, I'll know that you give. I don't know how much, but I know that you give. Or a pastor. would never have a pastor and staff that doesn't give. Hello. But you, I don't know whether you give or not. You might just be putting blank envelopes in them tuckers as you pass it. I watch you. Well, look at it. Heavy. Can I drop it in there? No, I don't even watch that. I don't do that. So understand what I'm saying. Why don't the pastors know who gives here? So I won't be controlled by your giving. Do you realize I could be that way? In other words, if you were the, you know, we got a new building getting ready to go up over here. It's going to be three million bucks. You come after church and say, I can up that guy from Charles Stanley by a million. Here's three million. I wouldn't do that. Why? I wouldn't want you even come to me. Why? If you want to give it, you give it secretly. Because I don't want to be tempted to try to speak to you kindly, do something different, never offend you or your family. Because the big giver's here. Now, do you think I'm human enough that I could fall for that? What do you mean? <laughs> and my wife isn't even here, for crying out loud. Yes, you're exactly right. We all are. Pastor Dave, Dean, Kenny, the same. So we don't know. That's why we don't know. Because we're human. And so you can give or not give, but God knows. And that's why we do that. Because of this. Not being controlled by individuals and we go, man, that's the big gun here. Here's another thing. Lots of times people think they know people that are very rich. Well, they own a dealership. They own five of these and 24 pieces of property, whatever. They must be a great giver. Not always. Very often, maybe nothing. I don't know that, but I found that from other churches to be very, very true. Now, let me just make a statement. You might think I'm going to get into a Dangerous territory, and I probably am, but it's okay. After your children leave home, parents, be very careful. You don't try to manipulate them through your giving of gifts to them. Many a marriage has been ruined by well-meaning parents. Well, if you move close to us, Dad will do a down payment for your home. Maybe they shouldn't move next to you. Well, let me state it another way. They shouldn't move next to you. So you say, well, that doesn't happen in Christian homes. Yes, it does. Money is power. Don't rule your kids' lives when they leave home. Let them have God rule their life. Yes, you can give support, you can talk, you can share. Yes, you want to give some money and do all those things in time. But be very careful. You don't manipulate the kids and destroy their marriage. I see that a lot with people that have a lot of money. It's a very big danger. Okay. Number two, if I have the gift of giving and I operate in the flesh, instead of being thrifty and resourceful, I can just be extravagant and not give. I can hoard for myself. How does that happen if a person has the gift of giving? Here's how it happens. They get hurt in a church. Or they get hurt with a Christian, or they see somebody doing something, or somebody did something they didn't think it was wise, and they knew they were part of that project or whatever, and the enemy just beats them up. And so they just stop giving, and they begin to hoard. That's a danger. They can operate in the flesh. Number three, they can give with prideful motive. 
In other words, it may look like they're doing it privately, but they let it drop, they do whatever, they do all those kind of things, and it becomes kind of a duty to them, and if they don't get the right attention, and they go, well, why am I doing this? Because I'm not really getting that. You say, well, that that can't happen. Well, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. This is a story you know very well, but you don't want to give... No matter whether you have the gift of giving or not, you don't want to give with the wrong motive. Understand that you and I will be accountable for everything that God has given us. We're stewards. We want to be faithful. In Acts chapter 4, scoop on down to verse 36. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned... And he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So God spoke to Barnabas as the early church was getting started. People were needing money. God spoke to Barnabas. He became an example. He had this field he owned, had the gift of giving, and he gave all the money to the apostles to use for the poor. It was a great example. We'll look at chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. By the words, keep back in the original, here's what they mean. To pilfer, to embezzle, to steal. And what was he doing? Something also interesting, notice the scripture knows who they were. Ananias, his wife Sapphira. God was watching. He was seen. They sold his possession. They had an example of Barnabas. And they gave part of it to the church with the illusion that they gave it all. Nothing wrong with giving part of it. If God said give part of it and they kept part for themselves, no big deal. But they gave it with this illusion. They wanted to appear more spiritual. Here's the pride again than they really were. They wanted to appear just like Barnabas. Well, look what God says about this. You see, God knows how we handle his money. Verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your, here it is, here's the reason, here's what happens to our money, our hearts are wrong, has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received of the land. Now, who told Peter this? Well, I went to a little seance, Gal got the ball out. and No, who told Peter this? God did. Gift of discernment. God came right to Peter and said, Look, Peter, it looks like they gave it all. Peter wouldn't have known it. It looked all to him. He couldn't have get online and say, What did they sell it for? It wasn't there. Looks good. God said, Mm-mm, there's a problem in the church. He says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? In other words, nobody asked you to give all of this or any of it. What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. 
In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked more about the personality characteristics of people with the gift of giving. You heard about the strengths and some of the weaknesses of leaders. Pastor Mark talked about being a leader in your home and the authority handed down from God. He also encouraged parents to be quality leaders to their children. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. In his message next time, Pastor Mark will wind up his teaching on the motivational gift of giving. He'll be talking about being a pastor and the responsibilities that go with that position. You'll learn the importance of being neutral in your relationships with the people you're trying to lead. No favorites. You'll hear about the danger debt poses to giving. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world.